You're listening to the Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland Podcast. Now, your weekly message from Pastor Tim McLaughlin. Praise God. Uh, we're so excited to have you join us today. Welcome to the Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland Podcast. This is Pastor Tim McLaughlin, and uh, we're just always excited that you choose to join us. Let's get right to the to the topic today. Hope you've got your Bibles with you, if you uh, or your phone app, whatever it may be. If you're driving down the road, like I always say, keep your hands on the wheel, and and I'll read the scriptures for you. But uh, we just want to get into the Word of God. I want to talk to you today about holiness. Holiness. I've been sharing this at the chapel here at Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland with our ladies. First Peter chapter one, verse thirteen through sixteen. First Peter chapter one, verses thirteen through sixteen. The Apostle Peter says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Now, the Apostle Peter right here is quoting um, and, and c- kind of combining a couple different scriptures in Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44 and 45, he says, For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourself, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defy yourselves with any creeping things that creeps on the earth. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. So we see here with the Apostle Peter, a couple different things. When we go back over to Peter chapter 1, he talks about girding up the loins of your mind. And and that's a message that I've preached before, and we may do it again here on this podcast. But but there's some things we need to gird up. We need to grab a hold of our our thought process. And then he talks about being sober, to be be sober-minded. Not not necessarily truthful, we don't need to be. Uh, drugs or alcohol, but also to be sober-minded, not to allow our emotions to get the best of us. And then he says, resting our hope, resting our hope, our confident expectation. That's what hope means. Resting our confident expectation fully upon the grace that is brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Then he says, as obedient children, not conforming. See, God doesn't want us to conform to the pattern of the world. Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So not conforming ourselves, not only to the world, but also to our former lusts. All of us have a past. All of us have been saved. All of us have been redeemed from something. And we don't need to go back to those things because it was in those at that time that he says we were ignorant. We were unaware. We didn't know of the goodness of God. We didn't know of the plan of salvation. We didn't know how to walk out our salvation with fear and trembling. So he says, you did these things in ignorance. So after we've done these things, after we've taken our thoughts captive, we've girded up the loins of our mind. Now we're thinking soberly. We're resting our hope, our confident expectation, fully on the revelation of Jesus Christ. We're being obedient to that revelation that we have received. We are not conforming ourselves to our former lust, the former way we lived. We're not conforming ourselves to the things of the world like we used to when we were ignorant to those things. Once we've done all that, then he goes and he says, now I have called you to be holy. Be holy because I, God, is holy. And so in Leviticus, that's what God 
through Moses is telling the children of Israel. And we see types and shadows from the Old Testament to the New Testament where, where Moses speaking to the children of Israel, Peter speaking to the church, types and shadows because Moses was talking to a stiff-necked people, people that had been brought out of the bondage of Egypt, people that had been brought out of uh, the, this life of oppression and brought into a, a place where they were promised the, the, they were promised a land flowing with milk and honey. And so God promised, God provided, God was leading them along the way, but they became stiff-necked. Think about the nation that we live in and, and how God has blessed the United States of America, how God has blessed the local church and how God wants to do great things in us. But we have turned into a nation of stiff-necked people. God has promised us that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God has promised us that if we will live uh, according to his word and do the things that he said, by his stripes we are healed. God makes us all of these promises and within these promises that he has made us, people still turn back to their ignorance. They still allow their thoughts to go wild. They still uh, do things irrational because they're not living a holy life that God has called us to live. We're called to remain holy as he is holy. Let's look at this in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2, and 2 through 18. Large passage of scripture, but I want you to see this. Leviticus 19, verses 2 through 18. He says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall re revere his mother and his father and keep the Sabbath. I, the Lord your God. I, I want to stop right there because, again, what we're seeing is this. So many people say, well, that's Old Covenant. That's that's under the law. There, there were over 613 laws. There were 10 commandments. God said there's no way that you could ever follow those. That's why he sent Jesus, because we needed the, the grace. We needed the love. We needed the shed blood of Jesus to cleanse us and to make a way because we couldn't follow these commands. But yet so many people say that is, that is Old Covenant. Well, listen, New Covenant still says we need to honor our father and mother. New Covenant still says we need to be holy because God is holy. So we, we need to look back at the Old Testament and, and understand that as Peter is sharing this with the church, we're living in the church age. We, the church, we, the body of Christ, we, the born-again saints of God, still need to do these things. So we need to revere mother and father. Then he says we need to keep the Sabbaths. Then he goes on, he says, do not turn to idols or to make yourself molded gods. I am the Lord your God. How many people have idols still in their life? Um, you know, for some people it could be food. For some people it's addiction. For some people it's a, a, a somebody from the opposite sex. For some people it could be football. It can be, you know, what are the idols in your life? What are the things that take precedence in your life over God? Those things become an idol. And he says, do not turn to your idols. So we need to get rid of these idols in our life because he is the Lord our God. And then he goes on, he says, And if you offer a sacrifice of peace offering to the Lord, you shall offer it of your own free will. It shall be eaten the same day you offer it on the next day. And if it remains until the third day, it shall be burned in the fire. And if it is eaten on the third day, it is an abomination. It shall not be accepted. Therefore, anyone who eats it shall, be, shall bear his iniquity because he has profaned the hallowed offering of the Lord. And that person shall be cut off from his people. Now, Again, he's talking to a Jewish people. They had some food uh, things, some, some things that he specifically spoke to them. We do know now, coming into the church age, coming into the new covenant, that, that we're not bound by some of these things. But yet there are still some things that we need to do um, to make sure that we're not um, 
We're not abusing our body. That's the key right there. When people get into gluttony, when people eat too much, when people eat the wrong things, when people do those things, they, they make their, their temple, the temple of God. They, that's why people are getting sick, and that's why people are dying of cancer and high blood pressure and diabetes because we abuse our body. So you, you really look at this when he's talking about these food things. Understand it may not be the same as what he says here in Leviticus, but we need to understand that we're the temple, and we need to do things properly as well. Then he goes on, he says this, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field, nor shall you gather the gleanings of the harvest. And you shall not glean your vineyard, nor shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. You shall not steal, nor deal falsely, nor lie to one another. Now here we go again. He's going back and he's saying, listen, yes, this is old covenant. Yes, I'm talking to the children of Israel. But yes, I'm talking to you today, the church age. Don't steal. Don't deal falsely with people. Don't lie to one another. And then he says, And you shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of God. Watch your language. James says it this way, Out of your mouth come blessing and cursing, and these things ought not be so. Guard your mouth. Then he goes on, he says, And you shall not cheat your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of him who is hired shall not, shall not remain with you all the night until morning. You shall not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Uh, that, that part right there where he says, nor put a stumbling block before the blind. Understand that those that are not saved, those that have never heard the gospel, those that have never been discipled, those that do not know the truth, we, the church, cannot throw stumbling blocks. Listen, understand, we're not here to create a law. We're not here to get people to jump through hoops. We're here to love people and let them know that there's a better way through Christ Jesus our Lord. Quit trying to put up stumbling blocks. Quit trying to expect people to live a life, certain lifestyle, and you're not doing it. What we have done is we have tried to make sin of various degrees. Well, if you're doing this, that sin is greater than what I'm doing. Listen, sin is sin. There is no level of it. So quit trying to make people feel guilty for their shortcomings when you yourself are struggling in your own shortcomings. So so don't put a stumbling block before the blind people. Then he says, you shall do no injustice in judgment. You shall not be partial to the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty. In righteousness, you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go about as a talebearer. You shall not go about as a tailbearer. Quit going around gossiping. Okay? Nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely, re- you shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. In other words, what he's saying when he's saying rebuke your neighbor. Listen, if your neighbor's in sin, if your neighbor's doing things, and your neighbor, again, could be anybody that you're associating with. Listen, don't associate with people. Don't hang out. Jesus hung out with tax collectors, sinners. He hung out with all kinds of people, but he didn't follow them. He was there to change them. If you can tell people and and spend time with people and tell them about the things of God, that's great. But if that person is trying to lead you into sin, we need to rebuke that person and not bear their sin, not get involved in their sin. And then he says, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So here again, he's constantly telling us, this is what you need to do. This is the life you need to live. I am the Lord. And he tells us, I'm the Lord. I'm holy. You need to be holy. How can you be holy? You follow my example. That's what Christians are. Christ-likeness, being like Jesus. The, the word holiness is the word kodesh. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a sacred place or thing. 
It's something that is rarely abstract. It's sanctity. But this is the, really the definition I want to get you. Holiness is consecrated. It's something that is dedicated. It is something that is hollowed. God has called us to be consecrated. When, when they built the, the, the temple, when God gave them the instructions to build the temple in the wilderness to worship, and they brought things in, everything had to be consecrated. How was it consecrated? It was consecrated in the blood of the sacrifice. Today, when we are covered, when we make Jesus Christ Lord of our lives, we are cleansed, we are, we are consecrated in the blood of Jesus. And then we become a dedicated thing. We become dedicated to the Lord our God as children of God. And we become hollowed because we are holy. We should be holy because our God is holy. We are called to be holy, consecrated, dedicated, and set apart as unto the Lord because He is holy. So first what I want to do is I want to look at God's holiness. What does it mean that God is holy? 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2-3. through three. He says, No one is holy like the Lord. For there is none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. For the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. He says this, he says, No more, no more so very proudly. Don't talk anymore so proudly or be arrogant. Man, people walk around like, you know, they've just got all the answers and they're just so arrogant. And we wonder why people don't want to come to the church. They don't want to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus when we walk around and we act like we've got all the answers. And really what we're doing is we're giving people our opinion instead of giving people the word. If we want to be holy like the Lord our God, we need to be humble, not prideful. We need to be, we need to be loving, not arrogant. Be careful with the things that comes out of your mouth. Quit running your mouth like you're something when in reality you are nothing. The only thing we need to say should come from the Lord. It should come from the Word of God. It should come from the Spirit of God. Or it should come from the unction of God. But other than that, we're just showing our ignorance when we try to tell others how good we are or how much we think we know. Isaiah 6 verse 3 says, And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Man, the whole earth is full of the glory of the Lord. But in order to receive it and walk in it, we must turn from our wicked ways and be holy, set apart and consecrated to the Lord. I, I talk to people all the time. Matter of fact, just this morning, I had an opportunity to converse with somebody that was having a bad day. And I said, you know, the, the earth is full of God's glory. We just need to get out from among all the things of this world. We need to, we need to see it. Understand, listen, we live in a fallen world. John 10.10 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He, he's coming. He's tried to give us distractions and cause things to, to burden us down. But God says, I've come that you'd have, Jesus said, I've come that you'd have life and have it more abundantly. The abundant life is when we understand how holy our God is and that he is filled this earth with his glory the glory of the a beautiful sunset the glory of a beautiful sunrise to feel the breeze blow across your face to to see all of god's creation and understand that that god has so much for us another way to say holiness is to say absolute perfection Hosea 11.9 says, I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come with terror. 
See, God is unlike any other. He is holy, and it's in His holiness that the essence of everything else comes about. All otherness is created through His holiness. James says this, James chapter 1, verse 12 through 13 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone else. God is not here to tempt us. The word approved the word approved in this passage is the same word as tried or proven. When we endure the temptation of the world and do not give in to it, we will be accepted as holy to the Lord. Let me say that again. The word, the word right here is the word approved. It also means holy. It means tried. But when we endure the temptation of the world and we don't give in, we will be accepted as holy to the Lord. God's very being is completely absent of even a trace of sin. He is high above any other, and no one can compare to Him. And yet He calls us up to be holy because He is holy. To be holy as unto the Lord is to not speak of our own ignorance, but of God's goodness. Psalm chapter 40, verse 5 through 8 says, Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, my ears you have opened. Burn offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come, and the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. I love this. The psalmist says, I will declare and speak of them. Of what? Of all the things that God, he says, he says, he said, the wonderful works of God cannot be recounted in order. We, we can't even fathom. We can't begin to recite all the wonderful things that God has done, but we need to try. But we need to declare all those things. I get up every morning and I start my day out with thanking God. Lord, I thank you that my eyes opened this morning. I thank you that I have another day of life. I thank you I have breath in my body. I thank you that I can see, that I can hear, that I can walk, that I can talk. I thank you that I can bow down before you and I can fellowship with you. I thank you that I have your word, which is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I thank you for the roof that's over my head that protects me and my family from the elements. I thank you for the food that I have to eat. I thank you for the clothes that I have upon my back. I thank you for the vehicle that I have to drive to work. I thank you for the ministry that I have to go to to help others. I thank you for your spirit that indwells me. I just begin to thank God, and the more I thank God, the more stirred I get, because what I'm doing is I'm recounting His wonderful works. And God says, what I don't desire, I don't, I don't need your sacrifice. I just want your obedience. See, God does not desire your sacrifice. He desires your obedience, because your obedience sets us apart. It consecrates the righteous from the religious. Let me say that again. Obedience consecrates us from the righteous and from the religious. We need to be holy for our God is holy. God's holiness saturates His entire being and shapes all of His attributes. God's love is a holy love. God's mercy is a holy mercy. Even His anger and His wrath are holy anger and wrath. 
These concepts are difficult for you and I to grasp, but just as God is difficult for us to understand in his entirety, we need to grasp a hold of these things that he shares with us in his word. When we struggle with his holiness, it's because we struggle with his love because many of us do not understand real love. We struggle with God's love because we don't understand love. We've had people that told us that they loved us that have done nothing but hurt us and cheat us. I've probably shared this with you before, but I, I remember when we first opened up Adult and Teen Challenge at Upper Cumberland, and I was in a chapel service, and at the time we only had like four or five ladies, and, and there's this one that was just really struggling. She'd been there about two or three days and was really struggling with being there, and the Lord told me, just tell her that you love her, and I thought, well, God, I mean, surely she knows that, that I care about her. I just got out of jail and all these things, and God said, tell her that you love her, and so I looked at her, and, and I, I called her by name. I said, I want you to know. I love you and I'm here for you. She started crying. I mean, just crocodile tears, shaking, crying. And I said, listen, it's okay. She said, no, you don't understand. She said, you're the first man that has ever told me that he loved me that didn't want anything from me. She said, from the earliest age, even my father, my brothers, my uncles, other men have always said, yeah, I love you, but they're either getting into my bed or getting out of my bed wanting something from me. She said, and Pastor Tim, you want nothing from me, and I believe what you said is true. See, that is real love. And we struggle with understanding God's holiness and God's love because most of us have never experienced true love. We struggle with His mercy because we have no idea what real mercy is. Real mercy is the Greek word hoseus, which denotes formal consecration. Mercy is this. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. But for those that are not living a holy life, they have a vengeful heart. Believing people deserve punishment for their actions. But God, who is rich in mercy, did not give you and I what we deserved. He gave us mercy, and He desires us to do the same. We need to be holy because He is holy. We need to offer mercy to those that come against us just like God offered mercy for us. We did not get what we deserved when, when we deserved a sinner's hell. We deserved the cross. We deserved the beating. And Jesus took it for us. There are people that have done us wrong, but they deserve mercy and they deserve our love. And then we look at God's holy anger. Aristotle said this, Anybody can become angry. That's easy. But to be angry with the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose, and in the right way, that is not easy. See, Aristotle saying, listen, all of us are going to become angry. Ephesians 4.26 tells us, be angry, but sin not. So we can, we're all going to get angry. That's an emotion from God. Anger in and of itself is not sin. It's what we do with the anger. And so Aristotle says, listen, anger is easy, but doing the right things the right way with the anger, that's not easy. And that is God's righteous, holy anger. Becoming angry with someone because of a personal resentment or envy is sinful. But a holy anger aroused out of injustice or evil and accompanied by a sincere desire to see God's will performed is both healthy and effective. When we get angry with people and we desire God's best for their life, that is healthy and effective. So what does it mean for you and I to be holy? When God told Israel to be holy in, Le in Leviticus chapter 11 and again in Leviticus 19, He was instructing them to be distinct. 
from the from the other nations. He he wanted Israel set apart, consecrated, distinct from any other nation by giving them specific regulations to govern their lives. Israel is God's chosen nation, and God chose chose them and set them apart from all other people. They are His special people, and consequently, they were given standards that God wanted them to live by so that the world would know that they belong to Him. Isn't that what the Christian is supposed to be like that? Isn't that what the child of God is supposed to be like? Just as God spoke to the children of Israel and said, I don't want you to be like all the other nations. I want you to be different. I want you to be set apart. I want you to be sold out for me. That's what Peter is saying when he's talking to us and says, be holy for God is holy. Even in the world that we live in, God doesn't want us to be a part of this world. We are not of this world. We have a, a, a greater place that we're going to. We live in this world, but we're not of it. And God desires more for us. So when Peter repeats the Lord's words in 1 Peter 1.16, he is talking specifically to believers. As a believer, we need to be set apart from the world unto the Lord. We need to be living by God's standards, not by the world's standards. God is calling us. God is not calling us to be perfect, but he is calling us to be distinct from the world. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9-10, through 10, it says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praise of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. See, this describes the believer as a holy nation. It is a fact. We as Christians are separated from the world and we need to live it out. We need to live out the reality of that, that separation in our day-to-day lives. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 and 16, again he says, Be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be obedient children, not conforming ourselves to the former lust." Again, sobriety is clear-headed, calm, and collective. Putting our hope in Jesus, not in the things of the world. Being obedient to His Word. Not conforming, not going back to the way that we used to live. If we do these things, we can become holy. Holiness only results from a right relationship with God by believing in Jesus Christ as our Savior. If we have not placed our faith in God's Son alone to save us from our sins, then our pursuit of holiness is in vain. We must first make sure we are born-again believers filled with His Spirit. We have, if we are truly believers, then we will recognize that our position is in Christ, and that position automatically sets us apart from the world. When we have a relationship with the living God, then we must daily live a set-apart life, not trying to be blind in, blind in the world and not trying to blend into the world, but try to be separate from the world. Quit trying to live according to the world, but instead live according to God's Word. And as we study these things out and we grow in these things, we can be holy, for our God is holy. Father God, I thank you for the revelation of your word. I thank you for the promises of your word that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I pray that you just bless the hearer. I pray that it's been a, an inspiration to them. And Lord, that they would, they would take these things to heart, meditate on them, Father God, and make the changes necessary to live for you. I thank you, Lord God. I am not perfect, but I am being sanctified new every single day. Father, I love you. 
I worship you. I praise you. And I thank you for the opportunity to share these things with those that listen. Bless each and every one. And Lord, we'll never fail to give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great week, a great day. And may the grace and the love of God bestowed upon you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about this ministry or consider supporting, visit us at teenchallengeuc.org.